Hello, welcome. This is Julie Clare and Show Up Creative. And today I'm talking with Renee Gregorio, my dear friend and neighbor and an incredibly accomplished and a beautiful writer who has published many collections of writing, uh, writings, including The Skin of Possible Lives on 1996, The Storm That Tames Us, and Watershed, and then some. The book I'm reading through right now is called Drenched. And she's also currently working on a book. And we get to talk to Renee today about what it is to be a writer, what it is that gets her going, gets her into the studio, and and who knows what. We'll just see what happens. So, hello, <laughs> hello, Renee. Hey, Julie. Good to be <laughs> with you. <laughs> so excited. I have so many things we could talk about. I can't tell you, but I've picked one question to open up with today. Are you ready? I hope so. I'll, okay. I am. I'm ready. All right. <laughs> Well, first off, tell me where you're sitting. Where are you so we can picture you on this call? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm in my studio, which is on the uh, ground floor of the house with windows, out looking out onto the Jemez Mountains and a big field and some mesas and the cloudy sky. And I'm sitting at my desk looking out like I do when I write, actually. And when I'm on Zoom calls. <laughs> so. You know, and I picture your, um, do you call it your studio? What do you call your room? Well, that's been, um, it's a good question because I struggled with wanting a name for it a couple of years ago. And so the name that I came up with with a group of women friends is um, Mistanza which is room, right, in um, mm -hmm. Italian, and also, you know, stanza of a poem. So, but I never refer to it as that, but I still like it. You know, I just call it my room most of the time. You're going to my room. Oh, my yeah, Lord. Yeah. Okay, yeah. well, one of the first um, feminist books I read in college was A Room of One's Own. Ah, uh, yes. Well, maybe that was the effect, you know? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Still stays with me that damn book. I swear yeah, that I know did something mm -hmm. to me. All mm -hmm. right, here we are, and you're in your room. I'm in a room. I'm in a studio. Also, I've got lots of studios. <laughs> uh, this space <laughs> is actually in my home. It was our um, the David's Pottery Studio, but um, it's been converted, so it's now um, halfly half mine. And I'm sitting here with the wood stove cranking. We are definitely in New Mexico time. Uh, yes. Okay. Yes. So here's my mm -hmm. opening question for you, my dear Renee. Yes. I'm curious. What stands out as a memory for you of when the blank page really showed up first? You know, or like when huh. you thought, wow, I could write something, or you wrote something and you thought, oh, that's, what's wow. that? That's cool. I want to do more of that. When is that something mm -hmm. about that hit that you can do this, write something on a blank page? When did that first show up? Can you, do you remember? That's a great question. Um, what I remember as, um, really the first times that I wrote um, in any sustained way was in college. And that's probably, that's probably when the blank, I first in, really encountered the blank page and paid attention to um, putting myself to the task of writing, mostly writing poems, but I was very secretive. Mm. So I was like, I never showed anyone anything I wrote at that point. 
So it was blank page and then it was uh, shoved under, you know, other papers or hidden in a drawer. I don't really remember that part of it, but I remember, um, I remember encountering myself on the page then for the first time, really. Do you have any idea what you were writing about? Was it like a journal kind of a thing or what? Yeah, I think it was a lot of um, angst about love affairs and yeah. uh, identity stuff and you know, and I don't, I would, I don't mean to disparage that. That was a, a big, um, you know, a big doorway to go through, you know, and I think I've spent a lot of time actually writing about really intimate details of relationship and love and loss and all those juicy things, you know? Yeah. 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 You know, I've got um, so many questions. I know that right now you're writing a book, and I know you've written different kinds of books. What? How would you describe your journey with writing in terms of since, um, uh, like, if you had to pick, well, well I, what are you writing right now? Let's just take the full range from when you started and what you're working on right now. Sure, yeah. Um, well, I'm always working in some way on poetry. So right now I have... Um, a manuscript called Communion that I've been, um, I finished, you know, in quotes about a year ago and started sending it out to publishers and then to, and, and to a bunch of um, contests as it is, as they are these days. And, um, you know, with some good responses, but no ultimate, um, offers you know to publish the book yet so i'm in a place with that book right now where i'm going back in you know i'm looking at it with fresh eyes right after a year of having sent it out a lot wow yeah so i i wasn't sure i was going to do this but i'm re-encountering the poems and i'm i'm doing some editing you know i'm that's why I said finished with quotes around it. You know, I mean, I think in a way, like poems, you declare them finished, but um, it seems like there's always, you know, there's always something else you can do to make a poem better. Um, and then at some point you, you say, okay, I'm done. And I said that, of course, a year ago with this whole manuscript, and now I'm seeing it a little differently. And I'm saying, oh, I think I'll put myself to the task of re-entering these poems and seeing um, seeing if they can be clearer and sharper and um, better, you know? Um, you know, so I'm going to just yeah. put this in there is this idea of when we finished, and I love what you said about that, um, that one experience is declaring a poem done. Mm-hmm. How does that, do you ever, does it feel like that comes from a certain place? I mean, what is that? How does it evolve mm -hmm. to a place I can actually declare this done? And obviously, maybe a year later, it does change again. But there is some place where it came to where you were then willing to say, hey, I'm standing here with this. I'm sending it mm -hmm. out. I want it to be published. It can stand on its own here. Yep. Do, you, do you have a sense of how that arrives? 
how you that's get a, there. That's a, that's a good question. It's, um, I, I would say that it's different for almost every poem. So sometimes there are poems, and this gets to sort of the source too, and how they actually arrive or are are created, right? Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's like um, they just come whole. I mean, this is rare, right? And it hasn't truthfully happened to me for a while, but there are times, many times, um, where... I will be in, I don't, I don't know if it's like a certain state of focus and clarity that, um, and have an idea and the poem comes, you know, and I record it. It's kind of like that. Um, and then those poems are often the ones that don't, I don't have, to, I don't edit very much. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and those are pretty easy to, to declare done, right? Mm-hmm. But then there's more than not. There, there are, you know, there's, it's more like crafted. It's more like I work in my journals and I, and I pull out um, lines that, that have particular energy for me over time. And then I ask myself, you know, in a certain state of receptivity, like what wants to be seen and felt here, you know, and I kind of engage in that way. And sometimes those poems are just, um, they're more cobbled together and they tend to require more, more editing from me. Um, and then there's probably a, something in between those two extremes, you know, where, where like, say, I, like a, in this manuscript communion, there's a poem about seeing one of Caravaggio's paintings in, um, in Rome. And I spent a lot of time looking at the painting and then um, taking notes and then you know, returning home and then re-encountering the notes and asking myself, well, what what is it about the painting that you really want to write about? Mm. And that was a lot of back and forth and, um, you know, d- research, even some research and right. into the painting. Yeah, yeah. And so that is a whole other process, right? That, that pulls in, that pulls in, um, you know, art history too, you know, or, Do you, or whatever. I totally yeah. get it, really linking the, um, and I'm drinking it in really, uh, linking the process of how the poem is is born in a way often has to do with how much work it is to complete it or how you, you know, how it finishes mm. itself or how much how much you're cobbling, how much it comes almost through as a transmission is what I'm hearing almost. There's yeah. a wide range. Yeah. Yes, yes. Do you have a poem from Communion? this manuscript that you'd like to share? I would love to hear one. I don't know if it's the one you want to, you just spoke to just now. Uh-huh. Um, um, sure. I'd love to read one. I have to just get up and get it. Okay. Okay. Great. It's very close by. Hang on. Thanks. Okay. 
I'm back. Great. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Um, maybe I'll read the title poem, which is called Communion, since it's open to that, which is... Let's a, do it. And do you have a sense? I mean, is it... Would you like to share? Is this something that was more cobbled or more transmitted? Uh, <laughs> um, in between? This was probably in between. Yeah. This was... Um, this was in between. And I think you'll be able to tell that when I read it. It's, Great. Um, it's in several parts. It's in what? Seven parts. So I will just, you know, I'll, I'll read the numbers before the stanza. And Great. I'll, yeah. Okay. So communion. One. Body of Christ, he said as the wafer glided from his hand toward my mouth, and the boy in robes held the shiny gold platter under my chin to protect the body from falling. I took the wafer onto my tongue, not understanding the point of its blandness. Sometimes it stuck to the roof of my mouth, and I had to tease it down, bowing my head, to all that seriousness that did not touch my heart, neither body nor blood, certainly not intimate. Hazy mystery, a man's world I did not want to become. Two, I used to be such a good girl, would say nothing of the lack of communion in communion. Three, when the rituals failed me, when I discovered no meaning in the priest's repertoire, when I found the life outside those walls more magnificent, I rebelled. I learned to listen inside. Four, chaotic transition from inside to out. I'm still making it searching for that common language that connects to the wide sea as much as the sea within. Five, communing, communion, community, communication, communality, communal, rite of passage, communicant. Six, I come home to this desert world, its occasional rain that the earth sucks down greedily. No moisture reaches below its surface. Seven, but the need to receive what is given remains. In this ship of home, this protecting vessel made of earth and light, words form under the tongue. We commune, become, find our language. Our skins are dry earth, receiving rain. That's it, Julie. Mm, thank you for that reading. You're welcome. You know, one question I have for you is, in hearing that and knowing you, yeah. and you have such a full range of, of writing in my eyes. Um, we could go in so many different directions. And this word that comes in that poem you just shared, the word you know, or the idea of rebelling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How much, what would you say, how does that play a role 
in your writing life rebelling, either the act of writing, the themes of what you pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, where I'm partly thinking is I know when you've had, um, I know you've been writing uh, forever, and sometimes you've had different works. I know you work as an editor and you do all kinds of things um, as a somatic uh, coach and mm-hmm. uh, all kinds of things. And you've also had jobs that took a lot of your time that were more like day jobs. And I, I right. always thought that the way you wrote and got up early in the morning was very almost rebellious to those, to <laughs> the, the schedule. Like you were yeah. saying somehow I will not be, I will not just do this incredibly full time work yeah. during this period. So I'm just curious. Yeah. I, that's when I asked the question, I'm also thinking of those days yeah. When writing wasn't always just you had you know as much time as you wanted to write, but it was possible. yeah, yeah. Um, so many different thoughts are you know coming in as I listen to your question. It's um, it's like yeah, it it has to do with identity, I think, right? Somewhat, which is um, which I'm trying to think of how I mean that um. It's like, yes, those years when I was working, you know, a a regular job, I would get up early and spend time um, before I was corrupted by the job, you know, (laughs) Um, in the morning, right? When I was in that more pure mind state and, uh, and, and right. And I think, yes, that's a kind of rebellion. Like, what am I? I am not. I am not the person, well, you know, I was going to say I'm not the person who's doing this job. I'm a poet, you know. So there's been a lot of that thing with identity, like what am I, right? And and having to sort of declare that, like I am a poet. See, I get up early in the morning. I do this. This is required. This helps, you know, my day considerably. Um, so all of that, right? Um, and I think in terms of like subject matter, um, I think the rebellion is like, I don't, like, where do I fit? Where do I belong? You know, these are sort of themes too, I think of my writing, right? Where, how do I belong? Um, how do I claim, you know, who and what I am through language and have that transmit to a reader or, you know, a listener, um, all of that. And all of that feels um, somewhat rebellious to me, you know, like, because it takes saying, it takes saying like it matters, right? Yeah. 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 Um, what do you think it would be rebelling if that if you weren't rebelling and you weren't doing this act? Is it is it more of an act of coming out and being seen as a almost a a place of rebellion? Like um, or don't put me don't put me into one label here. I'm coming out and I'll be seen over here too. Is uh, that- uh-huh. Yeah, I think I think there's probably the latter. You know, like. Um, It's like a constant defining and redefining, right? So you never, like, I feel like, I often feel like I, I don't ever want to be one thing, you mm. know? So, 
so there's like <laughs> there's the sort of claiming like of I am a poet, and then there's also the you can't put me in that um, box either, you know, because I'm other things too. I mean, and this has been like a struggle with me too, but I feel like I've I've sort of landed in this place of like, I don't have to be one thing, you know. And in fact, you've, you've done quite a lot with a um, huge amount with uh, training as a somatic coach mm-hmm. and which isn't directly you as a writer, right? Right. It isn't, but um, it really requires um, such similar um, listening. I was trying to find the right word there, right? It requires um, that I'm able to, you know, be empathetic and to feel what another person is feeling and to listen deeply to what's coming either from somebody's literal sort of bodily shape, you know, or the emotions that are rising there um, to be beside, you know, it's like, it's not actually all that different is what I'm trying to say. I mean, it's, it's a, Yes, who you it's a are, different... so who you are as a, as in this coach, and and by somatic coach, how would you describe that to people who don't even know what that means? Um... Well, it's really working through the body to yeah. develop the self, and through the body is probably the key, you know, piece um, in the through, right? So it's not like um, massage or you know, or even um, it's it's really body as container for history, emotion, longing, um, skills, you know, like how our body holds all of our experience. And so somatic coaching is really um, stepping into that terrain beside a client and getting engaged with um how they've been, how they've lived in their body, through their body historically, how that's helped them or prevented them from having the life they want and what can be done to work with opening in the, through the body um, to have different experience, really. Whether that makes any sense at all, what do you totally. think? Totally, I know that you mm-hmm. don't just work with writers, but I know also you do work a lot with creative people or with writers. Yes, helping them. Um, kind of, I love how you spoke it being beside them mm-hmm. in the process of them finding their voice and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. writing in ways that they haven't been able to um, previously. So I know there's element I also know in life um, that's happening. So it it so being a poet. Being a writer, and um, what you're writing right now, I'm just going to say, isn't poetry, right? The current manuscript you're working on. Well, there's beside this one, Communion, which is, you know, a book of poems. Yeah, I've been working on um, a book about writing and somatic work that I started 
So this was part of the rebellion, actually, to bring it back to your question. I started it, um, this book about four years ago. So I was still a full-time employee for the state um, legislature. And I was determined. It's funny because I hadn't thought of it like this for a while, but I was determined not to be just that. And I really wanted to write about the the work I was doing with people, the, with the somatic work, and mm-hmm. and to combine that, you know, put that beside writing, um, because yeah, I do do a lot of that work with people who you know want to write a book, have never written a book, don't. Um, not it's not so much about how to write a book, but how to be the person that can write that book, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, so a lot of this, um, the book I'm working on, which the working title is The Awakened Writer. So it is, again, not a how-to book, but a book more, I want it to be a companion for people who are struggling with writing or even struggling with being able to find the right words for what they want to to say, you know? So all of those issues around voice and around what is it that makes our words come tumbling out of us versus being stuck in our throat, you know, or somewhere else, um, yeah. right? And how to really work with that. And so, yeah, this book is been a a long time in the making and I'm in the editing stages of it now and and, um, yeah it's it's been exciting actually to be working on it has there yeah has -hmm. there been a, a a particularly surprising quality of writing this particular book this is is this this is really the first one isn't it where you've been focusing more on the um speaking to the act of writing yeah, it is. And it's the first time I've written a book that's mainly a prose book, right? So that so it has its own challenges, of course, right? And and one of those is um is structure, you know, is because the way I work is really to the way I worked with this book was to pick a topic and let myself write 2,000 words on that topic, nonstop, you know, kind of a la Natalie Goldberg's free writing um, Mm -hmm. method, you know, and just getting it out, especially since I was doing it while I was working. Um, And I did that, you know, as a discipline. So there's, I think there's both rebellion and then there's discipline, right? There's like, I'm going to sit down and do this. And I'm going to do it consistently enough that in the end, I have a book length manuscript. But then it's like, well, what do I have? You know, this is what I've been engaged in in the past year, probably, you know, really looking at what do I have? Um, What am I saying? What do I want to say? What's missing? So I'm I'm working right now with... um, editing each chapter and also looking at the structure, right? So 
like I recently decided, I really want each chapter to have a poem, one of my poems in it. But then it was like only a couple days ago, I thought I want a poem at the beginning of each chapter so that it sets the tone, right? And then, or maybe, you know, whatever, it, it helps someone to drop in to the topic at hand is my idea. And then there's the, then there's the actual text of the chapter. And then there are, a, there's some practices for someone, the reader to engage in at the end of the chapter. So that's kind of what's happening now is this structural piece, um, which is its own f fascination, you know? Totally. So it yeah. sounds like this has its own, by the nature of the writing itself being prose and being, uh, having a, a very unifying theme to the whole book. I mean, not mm -hmm. that your poems don't, but from the get-go, um, mm -hmm. and having done all of this, it sounds like uh, it's, it's, it's new. This is a new process, really. It's very new. Yeah, it's very new. And um, it's, I, I really like the challenges of it because it's new and because, because I'm doing this thing of really trying to weave different kinds of information. Yeah. Right. And, and so to give the reader participant really like a, a certain kind of experience as they're with the book that's that's actually quite experiential now that i'm talking to you about it it's it could be very experiential if someone takes it on right um it really is about then kind of inhabiting inhabiting the pages of what you're writing it's 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 a learning but it's it sounds like it's very practice oriented or a practice oriented it is. Yeah. yeah, it is. Cause that's, that's such a big piece of the work, you know, of, of, of change of transformation, right. The whole, the whole business we're in, um, such a big piece of it is, you know, committing to a new path, you know, and, and how do you get there? How do you really make change? Right. And it's actually changing what you do, you know, changing, what you practice every day. So th this book will introduce someone to a set of practices that I'm hoping will um, help with kind of opening their creative juices, flow, uh, desire, you know, all of that. And there's this sense I picture you um, with this quality of discipline um, in the writing of the book, and I'm also imagining you, you know, if you weren't doing it, if you weren't writing in this way with a project, with kind of something new to get into and shape and, mm -hmm. you know, find out how to do, you know, explore, yeah. adventure. What, who are you if you don't write? Have you had that experience? I mean, what, what uh. happens when you're not writing? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I, God, it's been so long since I've tested that, right? Um, I think what happens is a certain, uh, a certain richness goes away. You know, like when I think of, um, you know, certainly there's weeks when I, when I haven't, when I don't write, um, but 
they're not, it's, it's as if I'm not really living my life as fully and richly as I know I can if I'm not writing. Yeah. Right? It's like, um, it's really a requirement. It feels like a requirement for me to be able to see, understand, reflect, um, get, even think through things. Like I, somebody, a friend, a writer friend mm-hmm. said to me recently, you know, such and such happened. You're putting yourself to the task of, of um, answering a set of questions to understand what happened. She was talking to me about something I was doing. And you're not talking about those answers. You're writing them. You know, that's kind of what we do to understand who we are, <laughs> to move on, you know. Um, it really is like my terrain for living more fully, I think. Mm-hmm. That's so beautiful. Um, so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I think of this poem that you wrote, The Weight of Tender. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And the first line being, he asked me how I write. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I would love to hear you read that if you're willing. This is in your, obviously, you know, but in the drenched. Uh, yeah. And, and because when I, as I know you, um, mm-hmm. when you're writing, it seems mm-hmm. like you are really who you are. <laughs> really? Regardless what cool. kind of writing it is. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. It just uh-huh. seems like Renee's doing her thing. And yeah. um, regardless yeah. if it's going well, if you're feeling like it's not moving forward or you're, at work yeah. or you're on a roll, um, it almost doesn't matter. Um, mm-hmm. I know mm-hmm. you can go through different moods and emotions with it, but there's a certain kind of strength that I feel in you when you're writing. And it, I do have mm-hmm. that sense when we've talked that um, you feel not as far away from yourself. Like you feel like you're living again your life and not that, and you do all yeah. kinds of other things, but there's a quality to that, that, Anyway, yeah. I'm just curious about this poem and how this fits into this conversation of who you are as a writer, the weight of tender. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, that'll be fun to look at. Um, do you want to? Do you want to read it? I'll read it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the weight of tender. He asked me how I write. I told him of my bike ride, the field plowed under, how it is the field recently turned over that I might write of that it's instinctual, like the way the dust of the northern mountains unsettles the winter light. He listened as if it mattered that I might make images that I could answer him. Days the wind unhinges the top red layer of earth, dirt swirls in the dry air. If you go out into this, the skin of your cheeks reddens. But last night the rain came, a steady, gentle rain, just what was needed by this parched earth. Sometimes what's needed arrives just in time. I know I have always equated tenderness with a sort of weakness I could not bear. I am led toward life on a precipice between black and white, love and sorrow, peace and utter disruption. Yet I have knelt on a mat in a dojo and felt a circle growing in my body 
not necessarily as movement, but as awareness, a purely new stream of being that opened me. If he asks again, I will tell him. I listen for waves buckling under the weight of tenderness. Oh, thank you. Mm. And that brings me to wanting to know, you know, when you're lying, um, and yet I have knelt on a mat in a dojo and felt a circle growing in my body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all of that. And, you know, who you are as a writer today, how does that still um, relate to your time on the mat, <laughs> your Aikido? Because <laughs> yeah. how would you say you're a major yeah. Aikido person? Um, you're, a, yeah. what is it, like a third? I'm sorry, I can't remember, but you're a, a black belt. Third, yeah, third degree uh, Sundan. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I spent... Um, you know, I mean, I spent 20 years on the Aikido mats. I mean, not all of 20 years, but, you know, consistent practice, right? And interestingly, um, it just reminds me, your question reminds me of when I first fell in love with Aikido, I, I felt kind of bad because I felt like I was turning away from poetry. Mm-hmm. And interesting that I always feel that that sort of tension, like, well, wait, if I choose Aikido, then am I still a poet kind of thing? And to now see how deeply informed my work all around, my, my work as a coach and my work as a poet, has been through that practice of Aikido. And, I mean, even in this poem, I'm talking about you know what it is to to write and how you know there's disruption there's there's an instinctual quality to it i'm following something an instinct in me toward something but there's there's an unsettling right writing is an unsettling and um God, there's so much in my poems now. I when I read this, I thought, oh no, more parched earth, more rain, more you know, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Here we are, Julie, right? Oh. I thought that too. When you were reading it this time, it really came out like wow, I is know. This well, based because, in a geography or a geology or a yeah. vetting here. Yes. I know. I was thinking, what would it be to go live somewhere else for a while? <laughs> you know, I need I might need that. But um no, the the whole thing of um, Aikido practice, you know, was, I mean, it's what got me into, I was just so fascinated by the self as body on the mats relating to other, other bodies. Um, it's a very intimate art, as poetry is, right? But, but totally through the body. And I was always fascinated by, wow, why, you know, how come I can't do this particular move? Or how come, you know, my first tendency is to tense up or use my bicep or, you know, not, there's no flow here or there's a lot of flow here. And just really, I paid attention in a different way, actually, than a lot of my training partners on the mats. 
and I, it's really what led me into wanting to study somatics and body-centered learning and work with, you know, Richard Strozzi, who's both an Aikido sensei and a body-centered psychotherapist. So, you know, it just like brought a lot together. And, you know, in terms of how it's affected my writing, I think it's really helped me to drop into myself in a different way and to pay attention in a different way and to um, just be able to get clear and to make, to intend something, you know, whether it's in a conversation or on the page or um, in something I want to happen in my life. You know, there's a way that I can direct my attention now that I didn't know anything about before I trained in Aikido. And that when you say that, there's a way that you can direct your attention. Is that, are you speaking to focus? Or is it, yeah, um, well, it, it could be, right? It could be, it could be focus. It could be that, you know, that sort of laser, like I want to write about such and such and I'm going to really sink in. Or it could be um, more about dropping my attention, right? So rather than being in the, the state of I'm writing from my head and I'm going to figure this out. It's, I don't know what's going to come. I'm going to drop my attention into my belly or my hara and I'm going to settle myself and I'm going to let what wants to come, come. So maybe it's taught me as I'm saying this, it's like, it's taught me really how to shift my attention as needed to different, you know, it might be focus. Like editing is, yeah, I'm focusing, right? Mm -hmm. But the writing of this, this book on writing has really, I've put myself to the task of really allowing it to come. And I don't think I could have done that before all my years of training in Aikido and in somatics. Which is interesting. I didn't realize that till I'm just saying it to you now, Julie. So, well, it, it's so beautiful, um, and it, I mean the the journey from you know having a, such a continuity of writing and having you go through all different um, practice, like having Aikido come into such a big way, and how that helped you evolve as a writer. I mean, I just can't get enough of that, and how it still mm. evolves right now in terms of. Mm how you're paying attention to what you're writing about when you're in the writing place in this current mm -hmm. book you're writing. The, I've got the page open to, um, do you say Aiki? The poem, oh, yeah. Uh -huh. Aiki. Uh -huh. um, and that's in the, the Storm That Tames Us. Mm -hmm. And I've got this on page 38. Aiki. And there's something about when I think of who is Renee as a writer, when I hear you just talking about that and the evolution and how that – how 20 years of Aikido has been such a, uh, such a big mm. shaping mm -hmm. uh, yeah. God, uh, awareness, practice, discipline, focus, deepening, all kinds of things and how it led into your somatic work, but also continued to change you 
um, shift you as a writer. And I don't know, does this poem, this poem kind of jumps in for me, the IQ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's hear you. you want to, let's get one more poem here. Sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I haven't read this poem in so long. I it's bet. Great. I know. I'm yeah, pulling yeah, this yeah. out of this book. I yeah. know. I love it. Um, yeah, it's called Ike. This is the beginning place, the place the cup gets emptied and I am bare as blank page, layers peeled away, onion finding its fleshy center. It could make me cry here, such openings finding voice, finding spirit underneath spirit. Or I could laugh here over something partially obscene, partially hidden. I could laugh here at the difference between erratic and erotic, at the ways I'm thrown. Or my head could get turned in several directions at once, showing the way I hold on too tightly, the way one energy can shut me down, shut me up, while another makes me want to sing loudly and off-key. This is the place body finds her voice, as good as coffee ice cream and bumper cars, kid at a carnival, as ready as a fresh wound for new skin to emerge. That was the right poem, Julie, to read here and now. It actually gives me a bit, I, I have almost some emotion coming up when I hear you read this and, mm-hmm. and how many years and, and, and all the ways um, your life has been shaping mm. your words and, and how your bodies come into it. Um, mm. So here we are in in our last few minutes. I'd love to know emerge. You know, I got that sense of emergence in this, and definitely being thrown. <laughs> yeah, right. Disruption and emergence, right? Yeah. How is <laughs> yeah. that right now? Would you say how is that taking shape, or how does that continue to be uh, an alive tension uh, of your <laughs> writing life? This being thrown in disruption and emergence. <laughs> well, it's all I can say in this moment. Like what comes up is the the ways in which you know writing requires so much of us right so it requires you know a certain awareness a certain ability to focus and to really dedicate yourself to the task and to do it over and over with consistency and to for example create a manuscript of poems that i did for here with communion right and then and then it's like okay that's complete I'm gonna send it out and then you send it out and you send it out and you send it out and you what I'm really finding in terms of disruption of late is is the disruption of of rejection right so it's a piece of it's a it's an intricate piece of the writing life right and you can um you can choose not to do it at all i suppose i i haven't made that choice over over the years um i persist um but it's a disruption to receive rejection and to then um how i would look at it right now very freshly is 
it's a disruption to your creative, you know, sort of creative being, right? To go like, wait a minute, I spent all this time, I did all this work, I made something that I feel is good and strong, and I put it out there and they said no. And then someone else said no. And you have to, what I'm really finding is I have to return, right, to to myself, of course, and say, look anew at what I've made, right? So, so yes, there's the disruption of the re- of rejection, and then there's the path that's provided of some of this I can make better, and some of this I like just the way it is, you know. And I will do what I can to hone this to my own um, standards, which, which I did, which I've already done, right? But over time, even that changes. I mean, my editing skills right now after working on the prose book are very honed. So as I turn to the poetry, it's like, ah, there are some fixes or some shifts I can make here. Let me see. Let me look at that. Um, so what is that emerging happening there? Because I feel it. Yeah, I know. I do too. Um, well, it's it's like an emerging into yet another layer of clarity and another set of questions of of you know what is it that I'm that I'm wanting for this poem? You know, this particular poem. How can I make it? you know, as sharp and, you know, sort of right on mark as I can. And there's an emergence into a, um, I don't know, what do you hear? Well, you know, when I hear it, it almost feels like it, um, there's a, I mean, when you speak directly about this rejection, it feels like first off having to tend, talk about tenderness, we use, you know, yeah, but yeah. tend to those wounds and, you know, the word wounds in this poem, it's, it's, it's like there, there's a tending and it sounds like you get through and yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know how it affects your writing in the short term, um, but it feels like then you approach it again and it's almost like you're, I see you almost coming at it from a different direction or as a new person saying, well, now I'm here mm-hmm. and I'm already writing this other manuscript and I'm deep in an editor. I'm just going to bring some of this mm-hmm. almost a, a slightly different a transition shape of authority as an editor or as a who I am now. I'll bring this uh, by my own standards, by my own limits of for this much. I'll do this much more on here. I'm willing to take who I am now and relook here. Mm-hmm. Uh, since it hasn't been fully uh, welcomed in yet by the publishers and um, and yet not be owned by it. So the emergence, yes. it feels like there's almost a, I mean, I don't know how long this takes to get through the emotions of, you know, ah, being rejected, mm-hmm. but it feels like you almost have to get bigger. Yeah, I like that. Yes, it's like I think that's true. Big enough to include the rejection, uh, but also include, it includes the joy that you had, but now have of your writing and you like it, but includes the rejection and also includes a, a space of willingness to go at some of them again. So it just seems right. like you've had to incorporate and actually get bigger. Yes. And I think I've had to 
It's yes, I agree with that. And I also think it has to do with um, like another layer of belief. Like, do I, um, do I believe in what I'm saying and how I'm making these poems enough to um, continue? Right, because sometimes, you know, the rejection can really cut in to that, for me, to that sense of like, oh, do I continue or do I just give up? Right, well, could you not go there? Yeah. Right, it's yeah. just like, and it's, um, it doesn't stay there. I mean, you're right, it doesn't stay there, but it definitely goes there. And in that sort of cutting down into that place, it's like, well, yes, I... I'm going to continue. And okay, what does that mean now? So I think it's, a, it's always kind of refreshing what it means now to continue. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. And when, when you say where you are right now in your current manuscript, in your current manuscript, um, where is your belief? What, are, is it tenuous? Is it strong? Is it, where are you in that? relationship with your current writing it feels pretty strong yeah um and it and it's um you know it certainly hasn't always felt that way even as recently as maybe three weeks ago I would have had a very different answer so it's you know I've come through something and now I'm in a place of like yes I I will continue you know and I and this is what I do, for God's sakes, you know? Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. Renee, we're going to uh, complete there. I can't tell you how. I get so excited hearing that because how many of us as creatives, um, we have to get to that point where we reconsider everything. Everything feels uh, mm -hmm. questionable. Uh, what am yeah. I, what am I yeah. doing here anyway? Right. Um, <laughs> you know, I could, <laughs> we could go on and on there, right? And then to put rejection on top of it, Mm -hmm. But then to mm -hmm. find ourselves, uh, and that was only uh, three weeks uh, ago, but deeply in a rhythm of belief with the, this pretty big mm -hmm. project that you've been working on for, uh, mm -hmm. what did you say, four years? Um, mm -hmm. yeah, so that these cycles of creativity, this is really, mm -hmm. really what juices me into talking with people and finding out where they are with those. And I think we're all affected by them. And I think mm -hmm. uh, there's no way we can um, always feel together or that we even have a shot at knowing what we're doing so I want to thank you for for sharing and I know um that people can um the best way to reach you if they want to um I know you've got a website reneegregorio.com reneegregorio.com and um they can also buy your books is it where do they buy your books on Amazon or is there yeah there yeah way? most of them are on Amazon yeah yeah, or, yeah, that's probably the easiest. I hate to say it, but it probably is. And then yeah. also in Santa Fe, where did where, where are they? Um, collected Works usually has um, yeah. some of my books, yeah, or can get them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love your books. Um, I love Thank your books. You. I know that you do all kinds of, and you've worked a lot with Haiku and Tonka, and we could, we could have lots of conversations, but thank you, thank you very much. And... Um, I look forward to our next conversation. I can't wait to uh, talk to you more about uh, the last manuscript that you're re-looking at and also the one you're writing that you're deep in right now. Um, so thank Thanks. You. Thanks, Julie. It was really fun. Thank you. You're welcome. And this is uh, Julie Clare. You can um, and show up creative. 
and you can find out more about me, me and all the work I do with um, intuitive painting and creativity coaching and, and um, at my website, paintbiglivebig.com. All right, take care.